This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Please turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 12. Proverbs chapter 12. Tonight we're going to address a matter that has affected millions of people in our world, young as well as old, believer as well as unbeliever, and that's the matter of depression. Someone has described depression as an overwhelming sense of blackness, lethargy, apathy, and hopelessness. In its less severe forms, depression involves simply feeling low, feeling melancholic, and no doubt, I have no doubt that many in this room have experienced those kinds of feelings uh, to one degree or another. Now this is a, a big topic, uh, somewhat of a complicated topic, one that cannot be addressed comprehensively in, in 30 or 35 minutes. And so this is just a, a primer tonight, an overview and I will probably neglect to say something that I should say. Hopefully, I won't say something that I shouldn't say. Uh, pray for me and uh, bear with me. And please share your thoughts. Uh, maybe not right in the middle of the service, but uh, later on, I would uh, certainly welcome your thoughts. Would love to talk to you uh, about this matter. It's of great interest to me personally. Um, since I have experienced depression. Um, so again, I'd love to talk to you about it. And uh, perhaps you can help improve my understanding or even correct me uh, somehow. And I would appreciate that. By the way, we have two goals tonight. The first is to edify, to encourage, to stimulate thought regarding this important ministry issue, uh, a ministry issue for all of us. Um, you probably know folks who are struggling in one way or another, and perhaps, uh, of course, we are all called to encourage and comfort one another. Perhaps what's shared tonight will help you personally, or as I just mentioned, perhaps you can use this to help someone else. And second, we want to glorify our God, our God who is the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. And so let's pray to that end briefly. Father, we do ask that this time will be a help to everyone here. And uh, Lord, we also pray that as we consider this complicated subject, that the truth of your word and your Holy Spirit would guide us and steer our thoughts and our hearts. Help us, Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And so tonight we're going to consider briefly depression from a biblical perspective. And to help us work our way quickly through this subject, we're going to ask four basic questions, four questions that will kind of guide our thoughts guide our study tonight. 
The first question, question number one, is depression real? Is it even real? Uh, is this a legitimate problem or is this simply a crutch that weak people uh, somehow have conjured up in their minds? Is depression real? And the answer, I believe, is yes. Now, I might have questioned that conclusion when I was a younger man, um, but I don't anymore. But what's important here is what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say about this matter? Well, our English Bible does not use the word depression unless you read Proverbs 12.25 in the New King James Bible. And let's, let's look, please, at Proverbs 12.25, the first part of that verse for now. There the Bible reads in the King James, heaviness in the heart of a man maketh it stoop. The Hebrew word for stoop in our King James Version means to be weighed down, to be bowed down, to be depressed. And there are many other passages in Scripture besides Proverbs 12.25 which refer to this weighing down or a sickening of the heart or a wounding of the heart or the spirit. For example, just, uh, just a handful of examples, Proverbs 13.12 refers to the heart being sick. Proverbs 15, 13 says that a merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. Proverbs 17, 22 says, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. By the way, that verse indicates clearly that there are physical consequences to having a broken spirit. Proverbs 18.14 says, The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit who can bear? In other words, a man's strong spirit can sustain him when he breaks his arm, for example, but if his spirit is crushed, that's another matter. Then he's in trouble. Psalm 42, 11, there the psalmist refers to his soul as being downcast and disquieted or disturbed. In Psalm 55, 4, the psalmist writes, my heart is sore pained within me and the terrors of death are fallen upon me. And so, Again, I ask the question, is depression real? And I believe that the Bible indicates that it is. And uh, as I mentioned a minute or so ago, there are many, many, many other passages of Scripture that we could consider that suggest that this is a, a very real problem. Further, there are probably many in this room who could testify, um, as I mentioned earlier, to having experienced not just, not just a bad day or a bad week, but feelings, real physical feelings that are, that are low, that are 
depressed. Many could give that testimony, I'm sure. Second question. Second question, what causes depression? What causes depression? And I guess this could be, this is somewhat of a controversial question, I suppose, uh, and uh, perhaps a bit complicated. Um, I believe there are two basic, very basic answers to this question, in my humble opinion. First, first, sometimes it's simply your body. In other words, it has nothing to do with stress at home or stress in the workplace. Depressed feelings can stem from chemical imbalances that are out, outside your control. Hormonal imbalances, for example, especially with women or a thyroid condition. I've uh, known and spoken with several women, at least, who are going through the pre-menopause or perimenopause phase, and some of them have told me that they feel happy, happy as a clam in the morning, and uh, in the afternoon they feel sad and, and low, and you know there's nothing wrong. They're not anxious about anything. Um, it's just their uh, their estrogen and their progesterone levels that are a bit out of whack at that particular time in their life, which can last many years, actually. By the way, this is all part of the fall and part of the curse because of sin. But then second, second cause, sometimes, oftentimes, actually, it's our thinking. It's our thinking that causes depression. It's our response to our circumstances. Anxious thinking, agitated or angry thinking, hopeless thinking. And then what about grief? We'll, we'll consider that in a minute. Now, note this. Um, not to be overly technical here, uh, when we feel depressed because of how we're thinking, because we're anxious, or because we're bitterly disappointed or angry, or because we're, we're grieving a loss, that kind of thinking, that response to our circumstances results in chemical changes in our bodies that trigger the actual feelings of depression. And so technically speaking, whichever way you look at it, depression involves our body chemistry. And that's just the way God made us. Uh, and this is true, of course, with all of our emotions, all of our feelings. Uh, in other words, all of our feelings, whether we're happy or sad, worried or mad, and I came up with that rhyme this morning, by the way, all by myself. Um, no matter our feelings, there's, uh, there's going to be a physical, chemical component. Again, that's just the way the Lord made us, or else we wouldn't feel anything, right? And uh, the fact that we can feel anything is a, is a blessing 
from God. We're, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. It starts with the mind, with our thinking, and then there's a bodily, emotional response. And uh, I, think, I don't think that's, that's too confusing, although, although it is, if we were to delve into it, it's even the neuroscientists don't understand how all of this works, but at a basic level, and I'm certainly not, not, a, not a scientist. But uh, perhaps I can explain it this way. Dr. Jim Berg likes to say that God made our physical bodies to serve our hearts or our minds. In other words, the body is the servant of the mind. So, for example, your mind says when the service is over, it's time to stand up and walk out the back. And then what happens? Our body responds. And we, we stand up and we, and we walk out the back. And so when your mind, your heart, when you begin to think consistently hopeless thoughts, for example, you're going to feel that in your body. In other words, there's going to be a chemical process that occurs that causes you to feel low, to feel depressed. It starts in your mind, and then it's translated, mediated through your body. You're going to feel low. And this is, uh, some have said this is God's alarm system to alert us to the fact that there, there may be a problem with our thinking. And that's why I would never call depression a mental illness, as the uh, secular folks do. Neither would I call it a disease or a disorder. Uh, on the contrary, I think God ordered our bodies to feel a certain way when we think a certain way. Let's look at a couple of verses in Scripture that, uh, that highlight this. We already referenced Proverbs 12, 25. There the Bible says, Heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop. And uh, again, I mentioned earlier, the New King James Version says that anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. So when you're anxious about something, when you're fretting about something, depression can result. Let's consider another verse in Proverbs. Proverbs 13, 12. You can turn there, please. Proverbs 13, 12. And this verse, I think, really nails it, in my opinion. Proverbs 13, 12 says, Hope deferred maketh the heart sick, but when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. Think about that verse for a minute. What is it saying? Hope deferred makes the heart sick. What does deferred mean? Well, it means postponed or put off, perhaps indefinitely. And so, according to this verse, what happens when your hopes your dreams, 
your expectations, your plans are deferred or, or put off. In other words, they're not realized. The answer, your heart becomes sick. But when the desire comes, in other words, when your desire is fulfilled or realized or met, it is a tree of life. In other words, it gives life and happiness to your soul. So we could paraphrase the verse this way, perhaps. Uh, when your hopes are dashed, your heart becomes sick. But when your expectations are met, you're invigorated, made happy. And depression stems, therefore, from extreme disappointment when your hopes are not realized. I'm a little worried about the time tonight, but uh, I'm going to, one more verse, and uh, not that we're almost done, but I mean one more verse in this section. Um, I was thinking about skipping it, but Proverbs 11, 7, let's, let's look there quickly. Proverbs 11, 7. Proverbs 11.7 says, When a wicked man dieth, his expectation shall perish, and the hope of unjust men perisheth. This is a, a sobering verse. It teaches us something about depression. It also teaches us something about the horrors of hell. Why will hell be so unbearable, so awful? Well, it's because one big reason, according to this verse, there will be no hope. There will be no expectation. In other words, nothing good to look forward to, to expect. And I would guess, I would venture a guess that unbelievers in our world ward off severe, severe depression by planning things to look forward to, by staying busy. And uh, later, if we have time, I'm going to reference a few testimonies to that effect. But in hell, there will be no escape from their emptiness. There will be no hope no expectation, nothing to look forward to except continued misery. Third question, third question, is depression always sinful? Another tough, controversial, complicated question. Is depression always sinful? We tend to think of it as sinful. We kind of treat it that way. It's almost something we don't want to talk about. Um, but what if your depression is purely organic? It's, it's just physiological. It's purely hormonal. Okay, you're not worried about anything. You're just uh, going through premenopause, for example. Then it's not sinful, right? I think that's an easy one. But we must be careful here because... Even when the problem lies in our bodies, we obviously must respond properly, biblically, in our minds, lest we fall into sin. And so, for example, 
if we have a physical problem and then we begin to worry about it, obviously that's sin. Or if we become angry about it, that's sin. Or if we fail to rely on God for grace and strength, that's sin. Now, what if our depression is caused by our thinking um, in response to our circumstances? Okay, this is a tougher question. What then? Is it always sinful? Is it always sinful to feel low emotionally? And uh, I don't think so. Uh, not in every case, certainly not. And here's where we could consider various examples in Scripture. And again, uh, we don't have time tonight. I wish we did. But we could consider the case of Paul, who in Romans 9, Romans 9 says uh, that he had great heaviness and continual sorrow in his heart as he considered the lost state of his Jewish brethren. And I wonder, I'm sure there are some here in this room who have sorrowed in their hearts because of a, a loved one who is away from the Lord. We could consider the case of our Lord Jesus, whose soul was troubled as he approached the cross and who sweated drops of blood in the garden. And Luke 22:44 says that Jesus was in agony of course, he bore the sins of the world. The sins of the world were laid upon him on Mount Calvary. He faced rejection by the Father and the wrath of God while he was on the cross. And of course, remember, in addition to being fully God, Jesus was fully human. And so I would think that he felt very low in one sense during that period. His body chemistry, I would think, was no doubt affected by what he experienced. And by the way, Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, and many others have argued that our Lord certainly must have felt depressed. In other words, at, at that time, his feelings being brought low. And remember, the Bible says that Jesus was tempted in all points, like as we are, yet without sin. So, of course, we know that he responded perfectly to his circumstances. And then, what about Christians? What about Christians who grieve and mourn? Is it wrong to grieve? And is it wrong to feel low, to feel somewhat depressed as part of your grief? And I would again think that the answer is no, it's, it's not wrong. Of course, we must not sorrow as those who have no hope. 1 Thessalonians 4.13, because we have endless hope, thanks to our God. And so, is it ever sinful? to have low, depressed feelings. Is it ever sinful? Well, yes. 
certainly is when we are depressed because we are thinking hopelessly, when we are depressed because we're anxious or fretting or angry, then uh, those would be sinful thoughts. And of course, this kind of depression, the sinful kind, if you want to call it that, uh, is very, very common in our world. It is certainly common, I'd even say widespread among unbelievers who are empty, purposeless, and without hope. It's even common among Christians who have hope, but who are nonetheless weak and faltering at times. And so what's the solution? What's the remedy? This is our fourth and final question. How can we find help? What can we do to help ourselves or someone else? Well, first, quickly, um, you may want to visit a doctor just to check things out, just to make sure that you don't have a real physical problem that's contributing to or causing your depression. But be careful because most doctors will be quick to prescribe an antidepressant drug um, even if they don't find a physical problem. Even if they do, they may want to prescribe uh, something that's ultimately not helpful. So we have to be careful there. But aside from physical concerns, we need to examine our thinking. Our thinking is so critical, as you know. You've heard the saying that you are what you eat, right? Have you heard that one? You are what you eat. Well, it's also true that you are what you think. And the scripture bears that out. We must think right. We must think correctly. We must think in accordance with the truth of God's word. And uh, here we could begin to spend a long time uh, considering, examining what the Bible says about proper biblical thinking, but uh, obviously we can't do that tonight. And, uh, and so we can't be comprehensive here. Uh, what I'm about to say as we wrap up, begin to wrap up, uh, is going to be incomplete. But here's just a few thoughts, just a few thoughts as we begin to conclude uh, notice I said begin to conclude um, regarding the solution for depression. Most fundamentally, I need to say this, most fundamentally, of course, make sure that you're saved so that you don't have to spend eternity suffering the deepest kind of depression where there is absolutely no hope, nothing to look forward to. But beyond that, what about, uh, what about Christians? What about uh, Christians? What can we do to protect our hearts from depression that results from unbiblical thinking? What can we do to protect ourselves from that kind of depression? Three quick things. First, fix your hope your expectation where it cannot be disappointed. In other words, hope in God, hope in the Lord. He will never fail you. 
If you're hoping in people, guess what? Uh, people can fail you. Family members, friends, even uh, brothers and sisters in Christ can fail you. If you're hoping in a paycheck or a career, you can likewise be sorely disappointed. If you're counting on good health or perfect circumstances, you are bound to be disappointed sorely. But if you're hoping in our sovereign God, he will never let you down. So fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And there I'm paraphrasing 1 Peter 1 and verse 13. Or as the psalmist preached to himself in Psalm 42, 5, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God. We must hope in the Lord. Second, second tip. Um, avoid anxiety. Avoid fretting. Keep your soul quiet. Remember Proverbs 12.25, that anxiety, agitation can cause depression. So stop watching the news. <laughs> Seriously, though, I do think we need to uh, probably spend less time watching the news or stuff. Certainly, probably less time on our phones or on social media or whatever. Instead, we need to be quiet more, more often. We need to be quiet and meditate in God's word. And again, at this point, we could begin a, a lengthy study um, on that topic. But let me just, uh, we, but we don't have time. Let me just share a few, quick few relevant verses here. 2 Peter 1, verses 2 and 3 says that God will multiply his grace and peace in our hearts as we come to know him better through his word. I love that passage. That is a wonderful promise. And it makes sense. It makes sense, right? The better we know our God, the better we come to know him by studying his word, as we come to understand that he is all wise, all powerful, all loving, that he controls all of our circumstances, that he is working them all out for our good. When these truths sink deeply into our hearts, we will come to trust him. And so we'll be less prone to anxiety. That's why Psalm 119 verse 165 says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them or cause them to stumble. That's why Isaiah 26.3 says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Now, of course, it's easy to read those verses, but all of us, we all struggle, don't we, to consistently apply and practice these truths. But God will help us. He will help us. So let's continue to seek him and his word. 
third, finally, we need to continually abide in God's presence. If there's a single verse in the Bible uh, that offers the solution, uh, the remedy to depression, maybe it's Psalm 1611. The latter part of that, of that verse says this, in thy presence is fullness of joy. I love that. Is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. We need to get into the presence of God. There will be no depression when we are with Jesus. And while this verse uh, points ultimately to our experience in heaven, I believe that we can begin to experience this kind of joy here on earth as we continually abide in our Lord's presence. And so, quiet time in the scriptures is essential. Communing with God in prayer is also essential. And obedience to his word is essential as well. If we are to walk in the spirit and thereby possess the joy and the peace that are the fruits of the spirit, then we must let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. We must walk closely with our God. Now, to close, again, we are, we are not perfect, obviously. We will always struggle with our flesh. And so whether your depression is caused by your anxious, hopeless, agitated thinking, or whether you're simply grieving, not sinning, just grieving, hurting, or per perhaps your body is something going on in your body is causing you to feel low apart from any unbiblical thinking on your part. Whatever the cause, the remedy is the same. We must run to the Lord. Cast your cares and burdens upon him and he shall sustain you. He will give you the grace to endure. We may sorrow, we will sorrow, right? We will sorrow here on this sin-cursed planet, but we do not have to sorrow as those who have no hope. We have incredible hope, boundless hope, unspeakable hope because of our God. Sadly, unbelievers, they don't have this hope. Last night, uh, I was reading some quotes from celebrities, a lot of Hollywood-type folks who have battled depression. And some of them were very honest about their experiences, their misery. And according to some of them, uh, several remarked that their hope lies in a pill or in a psychiatrist or in staying busy, you know, trying to distract themselves, staying busy with their careers. Although even then, 
Some of them admitted to feelings of complete emptiness. Despite their fame, they are without purpose. Despite their fame, they cannot be comforted. Again, a few of them said that, said those words. You know, they just couldn't find any comfort. Despite their fame, they have no real hope. We understand that to be true. But for the Christian, for you and me, uh, it's a different story, right? Praise God. In contrast to unbelievers, we have real purpose because we are called to glorify God in all that we do, 1 Corinthians 10.31. And because our labor is never in vain in the Lord, 1 Corinthians 15.58. In contrast to unbelievers, we can have real comfort because the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort promises to comfort us in all our tribulation, 2 Corinthians 1.4. He even collects our tears in his bottle, Psalm 56, 8. And his son says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, Matthew eleven twenty eight. And finally, as we've, as we've already mentioned, in contrast to unbelievers, we have real, lasting, eternal hope because Romans 15:13 the god of hope promises to fill us with all joy and peace in believing that we may abound in hope through the power of the holy ghost praise the lord let's close in prayer father we are so thankful tonight for the hope that we have because of your mercy, because of Jesus Christ. And Lord, in this world, we shall experience tribulation. And the Lord Jesus tells us that in his word. But you also told us, Lord, to be of good cheer because you have overcome the world. And so, Lord, help each of us to do that by your grace. Help us to fix our eyes and our hearts completely upon you and thereby be an example, an encouragement to those around us who may be hurting. Again, Lord, we ask that you'd please give us your grace to do these things. It's for Jesus' sake that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God, or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.